We are in this series called Playlists where we're looking at songs from the radio, that songs kind of tell the story of our life, and uh, this series is birthed out of my own uh, journey that I used to, if you're new, I used to be on the radio years ago. That was my life before being a pastor, and, and now... Uh, in ministry, and I thought, man, what if we did these songs, and, and then we just kind of brought out the biblical truths from them. So it's been fun this year because we've done one-hit wonders. Like, nobody wants to be a one-hit wonder. No band, like the verb, did you guys even know, how many knew that was the verb? A few, oh, okay, surprising, okay. Like, most people don't even, like, I don't have any clue who that was. And nobody wants to be that band or that person, like, yeah, that was, that was, that was my song. And none of us want that to be our life. None of us want to be a one-hit wonder. We don't want to, we all want to finish strong. We want to start strong, we want to stay strong, and we want to, we want to finish strong. But we all know people who started off so strong, and then you just, what happened? What happened to them in their life? And so that's what this series is about. And so today we're in the final week of the series. And today I want to talk about finding the sweet in the bittersweet. Finding the sweet in the bittersweet. Would you stand, we're going to read some scripture together. First Thessalonians, so if you're, you got a Bible, 1 Thessalonians is where I'm going to be. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to uh, download the Version app. And if you're on the Version app, under events, you will see uh, Core Church and you'll see all of the scriptures from today and uh, different things about how you can get plugged in and all sorts of stuff right there uh, on that app. But uh, if you're new to the scriptures, I know some of you are brand new to church. And so the, the scriptures in the New Testament that we're reading out of this is a letter, originally just a letter that was written to the churches in this area called Thessalonica, and they had started all these churches in that area. It was written by Paul, and Paul was a church planter. He started a church, and he started many churches, and this was one of them. So he's writing a letter to the church, and he says this in chapter 5, near, this is near the end of the first letter that he wrote to them. Go to verse 16, that's what I want to be, verse 16. He says this, remember he's talking to people that are following Jesus, like people that are, are in church, and he says, always be joyful. Why would he have to say that? Why would you have to say that to a bunch of Christians? Because life is hard, and it's not always easy to have joy, and he's reminding us, you gotta have joy. And then he says, hey, don't just always be joyful, but never stop praying. Why would you have to say that to a group of Christians? You'd think we would never stop praying. How many of you as a follower of Jesus, your faith fell to a place where you struggled to pray? Raise your hand. My hand is up. You just get to that place. Paul's simple truth, never, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. We're going to unload that a little bit today because it's easy to be thankful when things are going great, but what do you do when things are going bad? Is it really realistic to be thankful? And what does that even mean to be thankful? This is the will of God for you. Paul says this is God's will for you. It's for those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you belong to him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, our prayer today is that you would find him, you would embrace him as he embraces you. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment we come to open your scriptures and enlighten us, talk to us, help us as we seek to hear your voice and just get a little bit further in the journey and, and get out of some of the pits that we find ourselves in. And we just give you glory for what you are about to do in this moment in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. 
Well, how many of you uh, would say you're a coffee drinker? You're a coffee drinker? Coffee drinkers? All right. A lot, oh, good. A lot, a lot of coffee drinkers. How many of you would say that you are a serious coffee drinker? Ser- now, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Because, yeah, you got to define it, okay, by serious coffee drinker. For instance, like, for example, like, you, you the, the word Folgers is a swear word in your vocabulary, um, and, and, you know, every time you look at that red little canister, it reminds you of the fires of hell. And, and, and if you're a serious coffee drinker, you can name at least one coffee shop other than Starbucks. Now raise your hand. Serious coffee. Wow, the number went way down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, serious coffee drinkers. I'm, I'm a serious coffee drinker. I, I love coffee. I'm very, very serious about my coffee. I mean, I, I've started roasting it, uh, and I have a, a coffee bar at home. Like, this is a picture of my coffee bar. I, I, yeah, and I have five different ways I can make coffee. Five of them. One thing you'll notice, there ain't no Mr. Coffee on that, that stand there because I'm a serious coffee drinker. Like, there's a reason why there's not a Mrs. Coffee, okay? Because she's like, dude, I'm out of here. I don't know what you're brewing, but I'm gone, okay? So that's why there's no Mrs. Coffee. But it, what I want you to notice, I didn't notice this until I took the picture. Look in the right-hand corner. Does it, you, can you see that? Does anybody see what that is? There is Folgers on my coffee bar. This is what happens when your mother-in-law lives at your house. It's raspberry-flavored Folgers. As if coffee's not bitter enough, it adds some raspberries to it to make it mm-mm delicious, okay? But I, I love it. I'm, I love coffee. Like I said, I, I've actually started home roasting. Look, this is my brand. I've got a brand, a coffee brand. Do we have a picture of my coffee? This is my coffee brand. How cool is that, huh? Rambus Roasters, yeah. So... I'm super excited. I've been roasting. I'm learning about roasting. I've actually, I'm not kidding, I'm so serious. I have looked into, I'm trying to buy a coffee plantation in Guatemala right now. Is that not cool? I'm so, I'm, I just wrapped up in it. I absolutely love coffee. And, and so much so that I, I drink coffee straight, okay? I'll put anything in it. Any straight, coffee, straight black coffee drinkers. Not many of us because they say, and really only about 25% of coffee drinkers drink it black. How many of you put something in it? You got to have, yeah, okay, that's the majority of people. There's so many different sweeteners, right? You can put like French vanilla, hazelnut, uh, maple, you know, all kinds of garbage like that you can put in your coffee to mess it up. But there's a reason why, yes, it's pumpkin spice and all that uh, stuff. So this is, uh, but I, I'm a purist. I, I want my coffee black, but I understand like the majority of you are like, how do you do that? Because it's so bitter. And the truth is, it's an acquired taste. It really is an acquired taste. Like the bitterness doesn't go away. And what's bizarre is I've gotten to a place now where I just love it like that. I mean, I just, that's weird. So in this song, he says, it's a bittersweet symphony. You know, that's life. And bitter is okay for coffee, but it's not okay for life. And it's, let's be honest, it's not hard to be bitter or cynical or jaded or negative because it's all around us in this world, is it not? From the news media to social media to your workplace to the campus you're on, to friends to even in, maybe in your own home. You know, so, so, and some people don't even like, know that they're full of bitterness. They don't even recognize it. Like they've, they've been on it so long that they've acquired a taste for it. 
and they kind of like it. You know those people, like they always, they, whenever you're around them, they've got to tell you how horrible their life is. They got to tell you the worst story ever. And it's just like when they're telling it, you can tell they're just like, mm, this is so delicious. I just love this. And it's just like, it's like weird. You're like, but every time you get around them, it's just like, man, that's all that they're just, but it's in a bitterness and cynicism and negativity are all an acquired taste. You, you're thinking something, next thing you know, you're, you're verbalizing it, and then it becomes a pattern, and you don't even know you're being that way. And none of us want to be that way, but it's so easy to get that way, especially if you've gone through a difficult season in your life. You ever gone through a season where it's painful, there's a tragedy, there's a setback, maybe there's a failure, or you're not advancing like you thought you would advance. It's so easy in those seasons to become bitter, to become jaded, to become negative, to get overwhelmed, and, and get to where, like Song says, I can't change, I can't change, I can't change, I can't change. And you can just get to where nothing is ever going to change. It's always going to be like this. There is no sunshine, there is no flowers, there is no rainbow, there is no gold at the end of it, there's nothing, this is just the way it's going to be. But I believe things can change. In fact, I'd like for you to write this down. When I, when I can't, he can. When I can't, he can. It's so hard for us as followers of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, you think, wait, as followers of Jesus, you, there's times you can't? There are times as followers of Jesus in my humanness, I just can't. But what I have to remember is when I can't, he can. He, he can take the bitter and he can make it sweet. We see this in the life of Paul in these, these simple statements that he gives to us. Paul, if anybody had a bittersweet life, it's Paul. I mean, my goodness, he had his share of heartache and brokenness and despair and things not going like he thought they would go. But yet in all of that, somehow he was able to find the sweet in the bittersweet. And I, I think he gives us some things that kind of help us. And so we're going to look at these for just a few minutes, just some things that can help make the bittersweet. Let's look back at his letter to the, to the Thessalonians, and he says this, always be joyful. Turn to three, three people, fist bump them, tell them, always be joyful. Let's just encourage each other right now. Three people, always be joyful, always always be joyful. Here's why. Because joy makes the bitter sweet. I'd like for you to write that down. Joy makes the bitter sweet. Now, come on. I mean, look at this. Is, is it really reasonable to always be joyful? Like, I get sometimes, I, I get it if Paul said, you know, hey, when you can, be joyful. When it's possible. But he, he says, always. Is that really reasonable? I mean, if you, have you ever been around a perky person? You know the person who's always happy? Nothing ever goes there. just like, oh, yay, woohoo, And they're just like, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, you know. Devil ain't going to steal my joy. You know, I mean, like. <laughs> sometimes I just want to punch the perky right out of them. I mean, that's just. I'm sorry, if that's you, I'm just like, I don't think, how is that even possible to be that perky all the time, okay? And Paul is saying, always be, aren't there circumstances that it's understandable to not be joyful? 
I mean, come on, aren't there circumstances? I mean, I'll give you this one. Like, when somebody has a tragic loss in their life, one of the things we do as, as followers of Jesus when we have a funeral is we feel like we can't mourn. We feel like we, we shouldn't, it's, it's illegal to grieve. And we, and we have this weird thing we do as Christians where we're like, you know, we come to a funeral like, no, it's, it's, it, be happy. You need to be happy because like, uh, they're, they're in a better place and heaven is our home and yada, yada, yada. And all of that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. But what happens is we, we don't allow people to be human. We don't allow ourselves to grieve. We forget that even Jesus cried when his friend died. And so we don't let people grieve in a season and a time when they need to grieve. The scripture says, mourn with those who mourn. But instead, we bring balloons to a funeral. Like, oh, hey, cheer up. Hey, they're in a better place. Man, God is good all the time. Don't do that to somebody in that time. Don't do that. As followers of Jesus, we got to stop. And you go to a funeral, you mourn with them. You weep with them. You cry with them. Why? They've lost somebody. They loved. I don't care if that person was 10 or 90. In fact, the longer a person is with you, the more you grieve because you've gotten so close to them. And we need to learn that it's, it's okay. Man, it was no, wait a second. But I thought you just said, always be joyful. Aren't we supposed to be joy? Like, I'm, I, I don't understand. Here, here's where we get messed up. Joy is not a feeling. Okay? Joy is not a feeling. Scripture clearly shows this. Even psychologists would tell you joy is not a feeling. What joy is, joy is an attitude. Joy is a, a belief that you have. Joy is this idea that you have a, a confidence, and, and, and it's, a, it's a state of mind that, man, I, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why we got this horrific report. I don't know why I got laid off, but... God. I, I, I don't know why my, my kids have gone south. I don't know why my parents won't talk to me. I don't know why my parents disown me, but God. I, I don't know why my finances won't turn around. I don't know why my career won't advance. I don't, I don't know why this person was, was taken from me at a time that is not understandable, but God. Man, but I, but I am confident. I am I am confident in an assurance that God is with me. I, I have this resolute joy and this belief that God is going to bring me through it. I, I have a state of mind that in the midst of my heartache, in the midst of my struggle, that my God will keep his words and his promises. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Here's what happens to us. Write this down is pain without a purpose will make you bitter. Pain without a purpose will make you very bitter. In, in the song, he says it this way, Try, trying to make ends meet, you're, you're a slave to the money, and then you die. There's, just no, there's no purpose for the pain that, I, that I'm dealing with in my life, and so often we can, get, we can just get lost in the pain. 
just get lost and we just spiral down in our confusion and in our doubt and we put all our focus on the devil and we start blaming the devil and we start blaming the devil for everything. We give the devil way too much credit at times. And we get our eyes off of Jesus. We get our eyes off of our source. We get our eyes off of the source of joy. And I'm meddling down in this. And I'm giving the devil way much more than he deserves credit for. And then suddenly I see no purpose in what is happening in my life. There ain't nothing good going to come out of this. And now I'm bitter and I'm cynical and I'm jaded. But joy, if you're taking notes, write this down. Joy is trusting there's a purpose in the pain. Joy is trusting that there is a, a purpose in the pain, this attitude that, that God, he's growing me, that the belief that, that I'm going to make it through this, the, the, the resolute state of mind that no matter what I see, no matter what happens around me, God is good and faithful to those who trust in him. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them, tell them, our God is faithful. Tell somebody, right, our God is faithful. You see this in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, I've talked about him many times from this stage. And Nehemiah was, if you don't know his story, he is an incredible story of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem in just 52 days. Such an incredible story. There's an entire book in the Bible devoted to that story. And Nehemiah, though, he didn't always have things going great for him. He was actually born a slave away from Jerusalem in captivity in Persia. He was born a slave captive had to do whatever they told him to do, but, but Nehemiah was able to keep his joy. Nehemiah then heard about what was happening, and, and he wanted to go back, and he wanted to rebuild the walls, and when he heard about the walls being down, it says that he grieved. He grieved, he mourned, he cried, but yet in the midst of his mourning, in the midst of his grieving, he still had this resolute belief, this attitude, this joy that my God is going to do something great. So then he gets to Jerusalem, and when he's there, he starts rebuilding the walls. The enemy comes up against him. He's got opposition. You ever had opposition come up against you? You got a dream in your heart. You got something you're pursuing, and suddenly opposition comes in to keep you from getting to it. But Nehemiah, in the middle of that, he said, nothing's going to take my joy. In fact, he tells his enemy, I'm doing a great work on this wall, and I ain't coming down. All right? And that's the kind of resolute mindset you have to have. I'm doing a great work. God's doing a great work. And I'm not coming down from this because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah said it this way. Look in chapter 8. He said this, for the joy of the Lord. Somebody say that with me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. His joy was from the Lord. He knew there was purpose in the pain. When I can't, he can. Love this Nehemiah. He didn't even build it alone. He was, he was working with people. You can't do it alone. He, they were, he had people that were working on the wall, that were strengthening one another, encouraging one another. At one point, there was one group that was building the wall, and the other group was watching for the enemy. Do you have somebody in your life like that, that you're building together, and while you're building, they're watching, and while they're building their life, you're watching over them? Do you have that? You need that in your life. That's why we're, that's why we're asking everybody to get into a group for four weeks. That's where you're going to find them. You're not going to find them sitting here. I'm just telling you. This is a great environment. Worship is great. You find hope here and healing and peace and purpose in this environment. But I'm telling you, it is really hard to make friends in rows. But you got to get into a group. And when you get into that group and you begin to know people and encourage one another. I, I was at coffee with Buddy and Alicia this past weekend. And, uh, and Tony and Michelle Proctor with, at that coffee. And, and uh, 
they, our session that we were in at this pastor's gathering didn't get over till nine o'clock. And they said, Brad, do you want to go to coffee? And I'm like, no. I go to bed at nine, people. I go to bed at 8.30. I'm putting PJs on, showering. I'm going to bed. So I was like, I prayed about it, and then I took uh, three shots of espresso, and I said, let's do this thing. <laughs> I didn't go to bed till 2.30. We sat out. It was like 12.30, and we were sitting out under the lights, and Buddy's laughing at me, and he's like, I got you up after midnight. And I go, my mama said nothing good happens after midnight, and she was right. That's <laughs> why we were not friends in high school, because we would have been really horrible, the things we would have done. Um, but we were talking together, and we were talking about hardships and the struggles that we've all been through, the three of us have been through in our lives, and how difficult it was, and, and, and how brutal it was. But then we began to just reshape the pain. We began to, to repurpose the pain, and we began to rethink the pain, and we began to realize there was a purpose in the pain, but that we didn't get there by ourselves. We got there because we were talking to one another and suddenly realized some of the struggles and the difficulties and things that we'd experienced had set us up for some of the greatest victories in our lives. And it's because of the friendships we had. When I can't, he, he can. So then uh, Paul says this in verse 17. He says, never stop praying. Turn to somebody and say, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Write this down. Prayer makes the bitter sweet. Prayer makes the bitter sweet. In the song, he says this, I never pray. I never pray, and, but tonight I'm on, on my knees. I think sometimes it's, it's not that, that we stop praying. I think it's that we never started praying. And, and we never started praying because we just don't really know if it works. I tried it, and it didn't really work. It's like, so I think sometimes prayer has just been reduced to, like, the lottery. It's like, it's like playing the lottery. It's like, well, I mean, my finances are upside down. Maybe I'll get lucky with a lottery ticket. And you're like, well, life is upside down. Maybe I'll get lucky with prayer. And I'll just try it, and if I get the numbers right and everything, maybe there's a chance I see other people, and they win. Maybe I might win. And, and it becomes like we play the lottery with our prayer. Or, or we reduce it to just kind of like a greeting card slogan. Thoughts and prayers. Hey, thoughts and prayers are with you. Hey, praying, praying for you. Hey, I'll be praying for you. And really, if we're honest, we're not really praying. And the word prayer doesn't have any power in it. It's just a statement we say to try to make somebody feel better. And, and when we say we're going to be praying for you, we're just more or less trying to say, hope everything's going to be okay. And, and, and really, prayer has kind of lost its power. We've got to put the power back into prayer. We've got to understand it's, it is connecting with Almighty God and that God hears my prayer and he will answer my prayer. We see this in the life of Paul in Acts chapter 16. You can read this later. Acts chapter 16. He and this guy named Silas, they are, they're sharing the gospel and they're sharing the gospel. And they end up in this city and the people are antagonistic towards it, so they arrest them. They arrest them, drag them through the streets, beat them senseless, whip them, throw them into prison, put them into shackles and chains, and they're sitting there rotting out in prison. And the scripture says, at midnight, they started praying and singing. Raise a hallelujah. Really? 
You just see how that went? Paul's like, raise the hallelujah. Come on, Silas. Raise the hallelujah. Come on, like you mean it, Si. Come on, come on. Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. I mean, but you've got to have somebody with you in that moment, don't you? You've got to have some, Sometimes you've got to borrow somebody's faith. Sometimes you don't have the faith to pray. You don't have the faith to believe. And you need somebody that will raise a hallelujah. You've got to have somebody who will pray. And that's what prayer is. Listen. Prayer is this idea that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and I'm going to pray, pray until praise rises and pessimism dies. I'm going to pray until praise rises and pessimism dies. It's, prayer is the power of God to shake the very foundation of your circumstances. Look what it did for Paul and Silas in verse 26. Suddenly, somebody say Suddenly. Suddenly, that's how quickly your circumstances can change. Suddenly, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was what? Come on, everybody. Shaken to its foundations. That's the power of prayer, to shake the very foundation of your circumstances. It's, it's one of our core practices, persistent prayer. You're going you're gonna to hear about this when you get into a core group next month. We're going to be talking about the eight core practices of every follower of Jesus. You've got to have these eight things in your life. There's not six, there's not five, there's not ten. There are eight critical things in the life of every follower of Jesus that help them grow in their faith. And one of those is persistent prayer. It's this idea that I put my head down and I start praying and then I look up and nothing's changed. And I put my head down and I start praying and I look up and nothing's changed. And I put my head down and then I look up and then suddenly, okay, I take a step. And then I put my head down and I start praying again. And then I look up and I take a step. And then I get my head down and I start praying and I look up and now I can't take a step. I can't take a step. And when you can't take a step, you've got to just stand. You just got to stand in faith. And you, sometimes what you need to do, you need to look back, not, not at your past failures and mistakes, but at the past victories that God has given to you. Look back and say, oh, no, no, no. This is what my God did before. This is the miracle he did before in my life, and my God will be faithful to do that again. Put your head down, start praying, look up, take a step, put your head down, start praying again. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Psalm 116.2 says it this way. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Get the picture of that. Your father in heaven bends down and he's listening like a father with a toddler. How cool is that? He's like, what do you need? I'm, no, you got me. I'm listening. What do you need? And like you like, you look up and you see the eyes of the father. He's listening. That's why the psalmist says, oh, dude. He's listening, I'm going to pray as long as I have breath. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm never going to stop praying because when I can't, he can. When I can't, he, he can. Verse 18, he says this, be thankful. Somebody say, be thankful. Come on, say it like you are. Come on, you're like, be thankful. Be thankful. thought by this point in the message, y'all be encouraged. <laughs> Come on, say, be thankful. Yeah. There we go. Be thankful in, in all circumstances. Write this down. Thankfulness makes the bitter sweet. Thankfulness makes the bitter sweet. Notice Paul doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. He says be thankful in 
all circumstances. We are not thankful for cancer. No one's thankful for a lost job. Nobody's thankful for a broken family. Nobody's thankful for divorce. Nobody's thankful for the addiction they're in. That's nothing to be thankful for, but I, I, but I can be thankful in it. Here's, what, here's how you can be thankful in it. Th- thankfulness is seeing the beautiful in the brutal. Thankfulness is seeing the beautiful in the brutal. I, I was talking to a dad a couple of weeks ago, and he was just telling me life is just brutal right now because he's got a couple of toddlers, two. Two of them are toddlers at the same time. Can we just stop and pray for this dad right now in Jesus' name? God will help him. Jesus help him. I mean, man, you got a couple of toddlers. You know, some of y'all have had toddlers. You know what I'm talking about. And, and it's just really hard right now. And I was talking to him, and I've said this to a lot of parents. I said, you know, parenting is brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal, and it's beautiful. And we always have this idea that when I get to the next season, everything's going to finally get beautiful. It's brutal here, and it's going to be beautiful here, but it's brutal and beautiful in the same season, okay? Like, like if you have a little newborn, you're like, and the newborn is sleeping, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Except at 3 a.m. when they are colicky, and they're screaming, and that's brutal, You got a toddler, they're like, I love you, I love you so much. And then you take away the sucker, that's brutal, okay? You're at work, there's things about work that are brutal, but there are things that are beautiful. That campus that you're on, there are things that are brutal, but there are things that are beautiful. You have got to hunt and look for the beautiful in the brutal. That's where thankfulness will come from. We see this in the life of Jesus. He's, he's about to go to the cross. It's the night before he's going to go to the cross. He knows that he's going to be whipped. He knows that he is going to be spit upon. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be laughed at. He's going to have the nails. He, he is going to be tortured. And he's sitting at this dinner with his disciples. Last time he's going to eat with them. And he's looking across the table and sitting within feet of him is the very friend that has just betrayed him, and Jesus knows it. This guy just gave me up, and now all of this is going to be opened up and taken off because of this guy. And right in the middle of it, Jesus finds the beautiful in the brutal. Look, look what it says here in Luke twenty-two nineteen. He took some bread, and he what? He gave, he gave thanks to God. In the midst of the most brutal moment, Jesus holds up this bread and he finds the beautiful in it because he recognizes this is my life and I'm going to lay down my life as a sacrifice. So all of these men and hundreds and thousands and millions will be able to have life because I'm going to make this sacrifice. Jesus finds the beautiful in the brutal. When I can't, he can. When I can't, he can. I want to invite our worship team to come. While while they're coming, uh, I know for some of you, this is just a hard message because you're dealing with severe anxiety or severe depression or 
maybe even suicidal thoughts. I've seen some prayer requests come up across um, people who are struggling with suicide. I, I prayed with a gentleman out in the hallway just before I came in here to preach, and um, his brother is struggling with suicidal thoughts, and, and that's very real. And what I want you to know is um, it's okay. It's okay. You're not weird. You're not, you're not different. You're not an outcast. You're not, you're not rejected. Um, I know it's hard for you to hear this. Is there any hope? And I want to tell you there is hope. There is hope, and, 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 and maybe for you it's just to take a step to get help, that you're like, Brad, I, I honestly, I can't, and I get that. I get it. You're just like, I, I want to. I can't, I can't find the joy. I can't, I can't pray. I can't. I, I, nothing is, I, everything I see is just dark. If no one else is there for you, I'm there for you. If you have a friend or you have a relative or somebody you know that is struggling in this, so I want you to write, write down my email, write down my, my mobile number. It's brad at corechurch.com. You can email me. If it's you or somebody you know, give them my email address. You can call me. My personal mobile number is 918-636-2260. 918-636-2260. You text me, you call me, and you just say, I can't. I would love to talk with you. I would love to help you. We want to come alongside you, get you to a place where you can see that there's a purpose for your life. There's a meaning. There's meaning for your life. Everything that you're hearing is just the enemy who's trying to get you to check out. Don't. It may seem like no one loves you and nobody cares. I can tell you, I, I've, been, I've been in the environments. I've, I've seen the, the family members and the friends who were weeping because the person who took their life thought nobody loved them. And I recognize and realize, too, that sometimes it's just chemically you're just, you, there's, you need a medication or you need, uh, you need some counseling or that nothing's wrong with that. Nothing. It's good. It's healthy. If you need that, you do that. We want to help you however we can help you. Let us help you. Because you are loved, and this, I want you to know, is always a safe place for you to be yourself. You're, you're among friends. So we, about two weeks ago, we were in our seven-day fast, and, and during that seven-day fast, um, it was a, one of the uh, really different fasts for me personally, because uh, normally when I'm fasting, um, I, there's just so many breakthroughs, so many good things, and, and it was a very heavy fast for me. I mean, very dark. Um, I was, uh, transparently, I was dealing with some personal things in, in my life that, that have, have just been a struggle. Um, I mean, nothing that's going to disqualify me from ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just talking about some, some things in my life that have been very hard, and, and I don't see a breakthrough, and I'm wondering if it's going to happen. And, and uh, you're like, you struggle, Brad? I bleed like you bleed. So when I talked about depression, I've been there. I've been where I can't get out of bed. It's the weirdest feeling ever. I can't get out of bed. And, and that was several years ago, and God delivered me, and I'd love to talk to you about that. But so I'm on this fast, and it's just heavy, and, 
and the church and, and just some things with the church that we're dealing with and at the weight of that. And then I realized, as it, I started looking through all the prayer requests, and I was praying for all of you, and I realized, wow, I don't know why, it's a really heavy season. It's a lot, a lot of deep, difficult things going on. I realized I was just, the weight of it was on me. But I couldn't shake it. It was really weird. Seven days of prayer and fasting, and I couldn't shake it. And I just said, God, why won't this come off of me? So the fast ended, and it was Sunday night, and it was about 3 a.m., and God woke me up, and I was talking to him about all of that, and he said, I want you to fast one more day, one more day. So on Monday, I fasted, and, and I was fasting the entire day, same thing, same process, over and over again. I get to the end of the day, and I'm right over here in this front row, and I come and pray here many times, right there. Whenever I really need God, I'm right there on that front row. <laughs> That's where I go. And I'm talking to God. It's 4.30. My fast is going to end in 30 minutes because I'm going to go home and eat finally, you know. And, and I'm like, God, I got nothing. I've got, just got this heaviness. And I thought, well, maybe, uh, maybe if I listen to a worship song. And so I, I fumbled around trying to find a, a worship song on Spotify. And I'm trying to find this one. I can't find one. And then finally I land on this one. And I just let it play while I'm sitting down there. I just let it play. And, uh, it's, and at the end of this worship song, uh, they started singing an old hymn. It's one that I grew up, I grew up in church. I know many of you did not. I grew up in church, so we sang these things called the hymns. And, and this, this song, when she began singing it, was just a simple one. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And then she sang it again. She sang it again. And I started thinking about that song, and as she began to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, I felt God saying, turn, Brad, look. Like physically look up, and I looked up, and I don't know how to explain it. I, I didn't see a physical manifestation of God, but I saw Jesus like I've never seen Jesus. I, I saw him in his brilliance and in his majesty and his splendor and just the radiance of his glory. And I was like, holy smokes. And he's like, yeah, turn your eyes. To me, look full, full in my wonderful face. And the things, this earth, it'll grow strangely dim. And I can't tell you, I can't even explain to you how when I looked upon that, suddenly the weight and the heaviness and all that, it was gone in an instant. Suddenly, suddenly God shook the foundation of where I was, and it all dissipated, and it all melted away in the glory of his grace. This is what God wants to do in your life. Father, in Jesus' name, help us. Help us, God. So many here today, God, their, their joy is gone. They have no ability to pray. Their thankfulness is long gone. 
Would you renew that in us today? Strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name.